Well, good morning, New City. My name is Mary Chung March. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And it's tender and good to say those words today, as it has been my great privilege to serve as one of the lead pastors here for 12 years. And as we conclude our time here this, at the end of this month, you know, in some ways, those 12 years just flew by. And then in some ways, I can see and I'm realizing that there is such beauty and goodness that have come out of those 12 years in ministry, discipleship, care for New City, pointing people to Jesus, walking with each other on this journey on this side of heaven. So I'm retiring from New City with a full heart. I'm going to say retiring because I just want to, and it's my last sermon, and if there's issue with it, you can take it up with HR. Um, you know you are loved, and I know that I am loved by this community. And so today I pick 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 18, because that was just the word God placed on my heart for our community. I took out three verses so the sermon would be five minutes shorter. You're welcome. My last gift to you. Um, it doesn't mean the sermon is short. It just means it's five minutes shorter. Um, so if the sermon gets long and the people watching at home, you're making breakfast or you know, you're chasing a child who's run out the front door with only half their clothes on, not saying that happens in my family, but you know. Um, I just want you to remember this one line. In the midst of all that's been so uncertain this year, don't lose hope. Jesus loves you, sees you, and is with you. He has promised to love you forever. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. So lean in. I believe in that promise for you and me. As grief and loss abound, and we are stunned by all that we've experienced, the people we have lost, the things that didn't go as planned this year, I encourage you not to lose hope for tomorrow. As I was preparing for the sermon, I spent some time thinking about what the disciples were experiencing and feeling leading up to Easter. I want you to walk with me through that week. Imagine you're there as a disciple, maybe as an onlooker. Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter. It's a very celebratory time in our church, in, in the modern church. And that first Easter, the disciples were so overjoyed and relieved that Jesus had, in fact, been raised from the dead. But remember what the disciples' week was like just seven days earlier? They were reeling from the highs and low of Holy Week. We know that the Resurrection Sunday was coming, you know? So we're like, cool. But they did not. They were living it in real time. So on Sunday, Palm Sunday, Jesus is in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and he's riding on a donkey, and everybody's shouting, waving their hands and palm branches, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And disciples are watching in awe as Jesus is being received. And then on Monday, Jesus is seen weeping over Jerusalem. He knows something that maybe everyone else doesn't. 
And then he goes to the temple. And his disciples are watching very wide-eyed as he's driving out the corrupt money changers and knocking things down, removing the cheating people from the temple, saying, the scripture declared, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves, Luke 19, 46. Jesus was disrupting the system because it wasn't God's system. And he was proclaiming truth in the face of corruption. On Tuesday, Jesus is in Jerusalem and things are heating up because the high priests are trying to corner him, ambush him, kill him. But they cannot. He slips out and he, he kind of puts in a little word saying, you blind guides and brood of vipers. Matthew 23. On Monday, Thursday, he gathers his disciples. He has the Passover feast. And Judas gets up to leave to betray him. Then Jesus sits all his disciples down that are left. And he, the rabbi, he, the teacher, he, the most high God, washes their feet. And he says, go and do likewise. And then he tells them, my time is coming. That night on Thursday, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, where he asks his closest friends to pray with him, please pray with me. But they're exhausted and they fall asleep. So Jesus is laid before God and he asks God, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But not my will, but yours be done. And if you're there watching this, it's a heartbreaking moment. Because he knows he will suffer doing God's will. He knows he's about to lose all his friends, all his followers, all any esteem, any regard any truth being told about him. He will lose his dignity and then his life. He's betrayed by one of his closest friends, his own disciple. He's arrested, he's questioned, mocked, isolated. And Peter denies him three times and the rooster crows. The disciples scattered, he is abandoned. For the disciples, they're so confused. They're broken, just heartbroken. They're so scared. They're hiding. The loss and pain layered upon each other. And we move into Good Friday by 9 a.m. Jesus has endured the shame of false accusations, condemnations, mockery, beatings, and abandonment, and has now been sentenced to death by crucifixion, the most shameful way to die in that time. He's spat on, he's ridiculed, as he carries the heavy cross in the city streets. And is then nailed on a cross for six hours. Where are you in this scene? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? Jesus spoke seven final statements from the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The second saying was to the other man on the cross, saying, today you will be with me in paradise. The third saying was, woman, behold thy son. The fourth saying was when he said to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
The next was, I thirst. The sixth one was, it is finished. And his last words were, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Luke 23. And then at the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m., Jesus gave up his last breath. And the temple curtain was torn. Jesus' side was pierced. And the Lamb of God was slain. I can imagine that the grief of Jesus' mother and his disciples was unbearable. And yet this was the road God had chosen for him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and it was by his wounds that we were healed. So it's Saturday, in between the Friday and Resurrection Sunday, and the disciples are processing, how did Judas, why did Judas do this? How could he betray Jesus? How, how can Jesus be gone? Isn't he the Messiah? They're trying to hold fast to their faith and a hope that Jesus truly is the Messiah. In the midst of Jesus being in a tomb and being gone, they are afraid. They are unsure how to go forward. They are in hiding. And their minds are just running the full gamut of emotions. Saturday morning comes. Several women, Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Salome, and Mary, the mother of James and John, they went to the tomb. And they discovered that the large stone had been rolled away. And an angel there said, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said, just like he promised. And so for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to different disciples. He got to hang out. They got to hang out with him for 40 more days. And it was probably a reunion of sorts. That was so sweet and um, so deep, the friendship and the love. But they did eventually, after those 40 days, have to say goodbye to Jesus as he ascended into heaven. And there were 10 days between Pentecost and when Jesus, was, Jesus ascended that they were alone. And they were to prepare and pray. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down in power like never before. The disciples experienced the next phase of ministry without Jesus present. And all the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak and lead into the next phase of ministry as they spoke in tongues and proclaimed the good news. And they knew that it was Jesus' death and resurrection that brought new life. And he was there for a season. And when he left, it didn't mean he loved them any less. If anything, he loved them more, I bet, and interceded and was praying over them constantly. But it was time for him to go so the Holy Spirit could come. In John 14, he said, But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Just a point of clarification. I am not relating my story to Jesus' story in any way except 
I can tell you there's a heaviness in my heart when I realize that we will not be with you in the next leg of the journey. That we will not be your pastors. And I know there's a heaviness for you as well. There's loss because there's deep love shared. And I think knowing Jesus' story and the disciples' story, it helps me see that even though there's loss and suffering, it doesn't have to be an end, but it can be a new beginning. We serve a Savior well acquainted with loss and grief, and he left us a comforter, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that came down with fire at Pentecost. That same Holy Spirit lives in you. And Jesus' promises are true and faithful. So New City, we've been through some seasons, winter and spring, summer and fall. It was summer when we first started New City as a church plant in 20, 2008 and 2009. And it was also summer when we moved into this building in 2013. It was fall when we hosted trunk retreats, harvest parties, harvested from our community garden and kicked off the school year for kids and youth ministry. It was winter when we would go on our church retreats, go sledding down our gigantic hill, pivot to YouTube live streaming online church in the midst of our COVID and racial realities. And it was spring when we would have youth lock-ins, build that incredible community garden out there as a community. And it was spring when we have now emerged from this COVID winter. Celebrating Easter last week, our church's birthday, reopening into new beginnings as we begin to till the soil for New City's future. Seasons build on each other. You see it as you see your kids grow up through the seasons of their lives. It allows us to lay the foundation and enrich the soil to prepare for growth. So what seems like loss, it may be gateway to new life. So lean in as you walk by faith, not by sight. So I will name my deep gratitude to God for this church, for you. I will name my deep love and commitment to pray for you. And I will ask for God's blessing and promise for where he leads New City next. That it would continue to be a community of grace and truth where healing can happen. That it will be gracious and honest, a healing place, a community of individuals being transformed into the image of Christ by God's grace. Freeing us up to love one another in such a self-sacrificial way that we collectively testify to the presence of God in this world. And we do it as we lean into unforced rhythms of grace. Grace for ourselves and grace for others. And a line I love to say is, lean into being the hands and feet of Jesus. Lean into some of the hard conversations with love. Be willing to stand in the gap for others in Jesus' name. 
So uh, this intro is supposed to be a lot shorter than that, but it frames kind of why I pick 2 Corinthians 4. So 2 Corinthians 4 reads, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we renounce secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Since God is the one giving us this ministry, do not lose heart. We don't do it alone. God is with us. Also, this, voice, this verse points to the truth part of New City. One of our early taglines was to be a community of truth and grace where healing can happen. We strived in building up New City and building the culture to be a community of believers who lived honestly about ourselves, where we were committed to not lean into a false self, but an integrated inner self that is deeply embedded with Christ. And we desire to be a church that looked to the word of God to lead us. Because the highest authority in all our lives here is God and his word. That's the bottom line. Our foremost citizenship is in heaven. And so we live according to that citizenship. Verse 3 and 4 talks about a gospel that some cannot see, that the light is veiled, and cannot, they cannot see Jesus. So this is why we preach, and this is why we live and love the way we do, that Jesus might be known, and that he might be revealed in every single one of you. If the God of this age has blinded people, then we need to be the light. As New City, we need to be the good news of Jesus as we love and serve those around us. Hands and feet of Jesus. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. How are people coming to know the love of Christ through you? It's through your kindness, your gentleness, your graciousness, your prayers, your presence that they know. Verse 5 says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. My hope is that that's what we did as your pastors at New City. That we didn't preach ourselves, but we preached Jesus Christ as Lord. That we led in a way that's, that showed you we loved you, and we were here to serve you. We know we have fallen short at times, and I can own that. But we hope in some small way we led by example with grace and truth and care and generosity, showing you how to practice Sabbath and putting Jesus first. In verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. How does light shine in our world today? It's going to be through us. Right now, we're living in a time where our culture does not have warm fuzzies towards the church. Uh, churches 
often being described as a place that's judgy and legalistic. And New City, for the record, and for what it's worth, that's not who you are. And that's not who you have been. You've been a place of welcoming grace and seeing people. You've been a place where you can hold tensions and still love one another and remain a church family. The gospel has been veiled for some, but we're part of the solution for unveiling. That is how we have been named. Our name is based on the very Matthew 5 passage that says, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they set it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before men, women, children, the nation, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. New City, continue to be the light in the way you love and live that it will glorify our Father in heaven. Just one more thought about light. Here's the thing. You don't know you need it until it gets really dark. My kids love nightlights. They will not go to bed without one because it pierces the darkness and reminds them that there is still light in darkness. And they can see even though it's dark. Light changes everything, it dispels darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it as much as it is trying. John 1.1 talks about Jesus being the word and being in the beginning, and through him all things were made. In verse four in John one, it says, in him Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It cannot. So death will not have the final say. Oppression will not have the final say. Racism will not have the final say. COVID will not have the final say. Violence will not have the final say. Change and transition and loss will not have the final say. Can I get an amen? amen? Verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is in work in you. Jars of clay. Oh, that that is our highest calling in life, to be a jar. When I grow up, I want to be a jar. It sounds so insignificant, but we hold in us, the Holy Spirit, a jar of clay that God might dwell in that this treasure of knowing Jesus, being fully known by Jesus, and being able to share Jesus is the utmost treasure we could ever hold. How glorious that the power is not from us. Thanks be to God. 
It is from Jesus, and this church belongs to Jesus. This church is Jesus' bride. So we don't need to lose hope. New City was never mine or John's. We were called to steward New City. We were gardeners to nurture and care for New City. But this garden belongs to Jesus. And he cares more for you than I could ever imagine. And that is comforting to me. So if you have shown up tired or weary, if the verses I just read in verses 8 through 12 describes you, just in your mind, raise your hand and say, Jesus, I am tired. And you are in good company. Not only with Jesus, but all his saints. There's a verse I go to a lot. It's Hebrews 12, 3, it says, So remember the one who suffered such opposition and hardship, even unto death from sinful man, so you do not grow weary or lose heart. And as we suffer for Christ, he is in the business of redeeming suffering. Though death in us, there is life in you. And we are honed in our suffering. There can be beauty from ashes. I have seen it with my own life. You know, before we planned a new city, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. I wasn't sure it was what God had called me to. I had thought God had called me to be a marriage and family therapist, to care for pastors, to walk alongside pastors. I had my degree. I was working already. But God asked me to lay it down and to plant new city with John. I didn't lay it down very nicely or um, willingly. Sorry, John. I felt like I was despairing and dying to self, laying down counseling to plant new city. So I came kicking a little, but I came. Sometimes what God wills doesn't always line up with what we desire. But looking back over these 12 years, look at all that I would have missed. All these beautiful people, all these stories we can tell together, this place, this community. This is where I was supposed to be. How did God know better than me? Because he is God. I would have missed out. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose hope Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Resurrection is coming. Eternity is coming. 
We are in the light and momentary troubles right now in 2021, but it doesn't have the final say. You've heard me talk a lot about the multi-ethnic kingdom reality of God that's gonna be in heaven. Meaning we have to live here and now like we will in heaven. Because the good news of Jesus is calling us to stand in the gap in the name of Jesus. That's part of living out the full gospel. And that is what God is calling, to, calling me to in the next season. And I can hope because I know that the resurrection is coming. That we get to be family here and we get to be family there. I want to end with a slideshow. It, um, I'll kind of read you the captions as we go. It's not too long, but when I think about New City, Covenant Church, I remember how New City started with a vision and 10 people in the living room of our rental home at 6105 Parnell Avenue. It's a picture of John, me, and Blaine, our first worship pastor at Parnell Ave. From nothing to something, New City was built from the ground up with plywood and prayer. Each week, John would pull a trailer behind our car filled with wood crates that John had made in our garage because we couldn't afford to buy the professional ones. The crates held everything our church owned, all our sound equipment, soul food supplies, children's ministry toys and bins, and each Sunday morning we would go together to the St. Louis Park Rec Center and set up New City. I remember taking this picture in 2009 and marveling at how much multitasking John would need to do before getting up to preach a sermon. And afterwards, we would do soul food and tear down all the equipment. And those were very intense um, days. And it was a labor of love. All our kids, Josiah, Mercy, Daniel, and Luke, were very much a part of all things New City. From the very beginning in 2008, Till now. It was a whole family ministry effort. We had hope and vision, but we did not yet know where God was leading us, a new city. From the very first Sunday 12 years ago, we championed hospitality with our weekly soul food lunch, inviting people to the table to gather around the table to share a meal and be in community together. Our kids grew up with the church. And from the beginning, we sought to be a community of grace and truth where healing could happen, transformed into Christ's likeness by God's grace. We sought to embody the love, grace, and welcome of Jesus and lean into the unforced rhythms of grace. We were at St. Louis Park Rec Center, but as our kids' ministry continued to grow, we needed more classrooms, so we moved to the French Immersion School in Edina. 
those are the front doors a lot of the um, French immersion students here have walked through. <laughs> and we worshiped there for six months until we arrived here at our new home. We started the church, we moved twice, we renovated the church, and then we built a community garden with some help and a vision. We cared for it and watched it grow. We're still doing soul food 12 years later. Well, minus the COVID time. And they grew in nursery, preschool, and elementary children's ministry. And in the youth group, And for these opportunities to serve as your founding and lead pastors and grow with you, John and I are deeply grateful to God and for you, New City. There will be no place like New City, no place quite like New City. May you continue to be a healing community of God's grace and truth in a hurting world that so desperately needs it. And God is not done with you yet, New City. With deep love and great hope, the March family. Join me in prayer. Lord, we know you are our sure hope. And in the midst of everything uncertain this year, we will not lose hope. We know you love us, you see us, you are with us. You promise to be with us forever, to never leave or forsake us. We believe in that promise. And so Lord, I ask, according to number six, 24 to 26, that Lord, you would bless them and keep them. And Lord, that you would make your face shine on the New City community and be gracious to them. And that, Lord, you would turn your face towards them and give them peace and comfort and a full portion of the Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.